Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new Film Music Media Conversation. I'm here with composer Jake Monaco. Jake, thank you so much for, for joining. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, I, I've been asking, I've been starting off my interviews recently with this question and you can take it at face value. You can find deeper <laughs> meaning. You can be, you can, we can, you can get philosophical, um, but I'm curious as a, you know, as a person, as a storyteller, as a musician, as a composer, uh, what does music mean to you? It's it's the guiding light. I mean, yeah. you know, when we're when we're watching something, it inspires emotion and kind of guides us along in, you know, in every situation in everyday life, you're going to find some sort of music that can support, uh, you know, what what you're going through at the moment, what kind of emotions you're dealing with. Um, and uh, it's it's kind of everything, you know, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, every, so every I mean, yeah, for, I mean, so that's a that's an awesome answer. I love it. So it's everything. But take me back to when it wasn't in your life. When did it? I guess going back to childhood, or I'm curious, when did you find it? When did you get interested in it? And when did it go from hobby and interest to this is going to be my career? <laughs> uh, I remember I started uh, my my parents started me playing guitar when I was like six years old, and. Yeah. Uh, I remember my mom used to sing with this other woman who was playing, who who ended up being my guitar teacher. And um, so I, I took it for like a year, but I hated practicing. It was awful and didn't want to read music and didn't want nothing to do with it. Um, so eventually, like after a year or two, that was like, that was off to the side at that point. Um, but then uh, come high school, we had just moved to a new place, uh, brand new school, didn't know anybody there. So kind of held up in my, in my place and, um, started playing guitar again and watching videos on MTV and VH1 when they played videos still. And, you know, being able to like see artists, um, you know, with especially on live shows and things like that. And, yeah. you know, how they how they were doing their thing and, you know, learning how to learning how to play mainly by watching. Um, and then that kind of got into like the singer songwriter type thing, went to college, started a band um did some college tours a little bit on like some spring breaks and things like that you said, was this, are you studying music in college or no uh yeah I started yeah. studying um, composition uh but I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, right. at that point so it wasn't until uh a little bit after I graduated I still stuck around the area working in their their music tech lab because I, I that's where I graduated uh, gravitated towards a little bit more yeah uh, was doing uh like engineering and pro tools for my acapella group that I was in and um, nice. that's awesome <laughs> recording for for a couple other bands that were on campus and things like that so it was fun to kind of jump into into the tech side of the of everything so um i started uh i was still working there after i graduated and eventually um needed to be doing something else so through a conversation yeah. um with my mentor from the university of richmond you know he's like you should go check out this usc program um I'm like okay uh, so I flew out here and went to the, one of their scoring sessions and I was just floored. I was like, wait, you can go to college and do this? Like, this is a thing? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's 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 where it came from. And now here we are um, 17 years later, I think. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like, it, like when you look back at it, it's just like, you kind of remember the starting point and kind of where you are now. But like, when I look back at like, okay, I got interested in film at nine, I went to film school and it's like, but then it's like, vroom, and it's like here somehow that like we just arrived here. It's yeah. just like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so what were like, I guess, how did you get your foot in the door? how did you start kind of trying to find work and trying to make this like, okay, I can hopefully like, you know, sustain myself. This is my career. I can pay for my bills. I can pay for life and just do this, you know, as a living. Was it like a, a gradual process? Was it just like a lucky 
thing that happened? I'm curious, what was kind of the, the catalyst that kind of opened the, the thing, I guess blasted everything wide open? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I honestly, even towards the end of USC, I mean, they did, they did a great job exposing you to a lot of like real world stuff, but yeah. just given my personal music background, I didn't necessarily feel like solid enough to really be going out and doing my own thing. So, you know, they, they kind of talk about, oh, well, you know, you can go with this path or you can go right. the assistant intern path. And so I figured that was probably the more ideal path for me is just to get a little bit more real world experience before I kind of, you know, try and start something on my own. So um, I was super fortunate and uh, like a week or two before graduation, uh, I met with Christoph Beck and ended yeah. up getting hired um, by him to be his assistant. And um, I think I was with him almost seven and a half, eight years um, wow. you know, going from, you know, kind of menial tasks to us being able to co-compose some stuff together. Yeah. And it was, I mean, he's still, you know, a really, really great friend and um, he's great. I mean, he's awesome. I love Christoph. He's like such a yeah. cool guy. So nice. So humble. Like never, like doesn't have any like, yeah, ego over him. Like, yeah. No, he's, he's, he's really great. I'm, I'm so glad that he and I are still friends and, you know, we'll, we, we stay in touch a lot. So um, that was a great experience and I learned a whole heck of a lot more. So uh, and it was like 2014, I think um, yeah. I ended up getting two animated TV shows at the same time. And we had already been kind of talking about my kind of departing. Um, my son was born in early 2014. And so I'd already set up a rig at home to kind of mirror what they had at the studio. So I was still working a yeah. little bit with them. But um, at that point, it was kind of time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So when you look back at those days, where were like, are there anything that you still kind of keep like any practices or techniques that you learned while working with Chris, Christoph? And like, maybe is it just, or was it just more kind of seeing, like getting a sense of the business side and seeing how you handle meetings and talk to directors and producers and the studios and stuff like that? Or was it like, do you pick up also, I guess, like aesthetic or a, a technical approach from him and his composing as well? Totally. I mean, he, he has a very, or at least I, I think in most of his music, he has a very like song approach just in the way that there's a melody and there are proper B sections and you don't truncate things, you know, yeah. it's more about extending things and every note should be going somewhere. There's, you know, <laughs> I remember writing a lot for him and it's, this is meandering, you know, we gotta, we gotta figure <laughs> out what, what is it doing here? So I think yeah. a lot of that was, was really, really helpful just in terms of, you know, how to, how to guide the music in the right way. Uh, and there were a lot of technical things that, you know, I, I picked up along the way and, you know, technical tricks and, you know, yeah. uh, and being able to use, you know, multiple um, programs at the same time between Cubase and Ableton Live. And, you know, it's just, it opens up a lot of other doors and uh, I kind of took a lot of those things and carried them with me in my own career. Yeah. So when you started, like, I guess when you started writing your, on your own shows and your own projects, I'm curious, like when you're, when you're, when you're younger and you're kind of getting into it like are you thinking about like what my sound is what my like style is like or did you have that formed yet or not even thinking about it or you're just going with instinct and people go like oh this that's Jake's style that's like kind of his thing or are you like <laughs> conscious about it like I, I want to you know be like this or that or this kind of style I'm curious like how did you like form your sound I guess <laughs> it's funny like I I have never I've never thought about it really in terms of this is my sound like I need to yeah. always stay this you know my my signature whatever I mean I don't I don't I couldn't even really tell you what that is specifically um I mean some people have told me it's like you know it sounds very much like you yeah I don't really know what that is <laughs> um so yeah, no it's not it's not a, but that's interesting not a I love that yeah I, was like, <laughs> I think that's what 
because I, I love like I mean I, I love auteur like storytellers and kind of like embracing people's like you can feel the personality in the music and I think that's what attracts a lot of people to film scores because like John Williams sounds like John Williams Hans Zimmer sounds yeah. like Hans Zimmer but I mean you Jake Jake Monaco sounds like Jake Monaco and I think that's very interesting I, so you never really like analyze yourself or like look back and go well, what am I doing kind of thing like, it's true it's true you know it's funny my 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 current assistant um Jose who and he's been with me for like four years now and a really really great friend I remember a couple of years ago he's like oh that's a good one I'm gonna put that in the in the Monaco handbook or something like that. <laughs> he was actually keeping like a little page of little things that I do every like a lot, <laughs> like yeah. common devices or whatever. I was like, wait a second, seriously? And I actually read down it and I was like, I do do that a lot. It's yeah. it's true. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it just developed naturally. That's awesome. But uh, <laughs> so, but I guess when you when you first get started, I think a lot of younger composers maybe entering the business or anybody, I mean, if you're working in editing or costume design or directing, whatever, like, did you ever have trouble, I guess, kind of finding confidence to just be like, or find, I guess just finding confidence? Like, do you ever have to overcome like self-doubt and like uh, imposter syndrome or anything like this? Because I think once you get in it and you start working, and I'm sure it always stays with you, but I'm curious, like if you ever, ever were always confident, you just always felt like comfortable in presenting and then rejection and all that stuff, like kind of what every composer goes through, you know? I am, I am very comfortable in rejection. <laughs> I deal with self-doubt every single day, which is why yeah. I'm so comfortable with the rejection. <laughs> <laughs> but... But I, you know, in this business, yeah. you, you have to be comfortable enough to like take notes and adjust, yeah. even though, you know, you might, you might think, what, this is perfect, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, but maybe it's not. And so it's, that's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we've done the things where the virgins go into the double digits and above and, you know, it's, and sometimes it's just more about figuring out what needs to get done and nobody really knows what it is, but they know what it's not. And you just yeah. got to filter through some of those things before you know, you end up landing where, where you eventually do. So, I mean, there have been several projects where it has been like banging my head against the wall for the mm -hmm. majority of it. And then all of a sudden something clicks, you know, halfway through the project and then everything else is like, you know, a breeze. Yeah. So I think it's, I think for a lot of things, it's unlocking whatever that first thing is. Um, and then, you know, things kind of organically evolve uh, from that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, let's talk about, I want to talk about your general approach. Like, and I know it's, it's going to be specific, or I'm sorry, different for, for every project. It can be different for a TV show or movie or depending on what the format is. But I'm curious, like where the where the first note comes from for you? What's typically like where you gravitate towards for that kind of first little inspiration, whether it's like waiting for the locked picture, uh, having a conversation with your director, or if you're lucky enough to be on early enough to read the script, is that uh, some composers like to do that? Some people like to uh, not read it. I'm curious, like if you had, I guess, your, you know, your choice, like where would you gravitate towards to kind of just like pull that first note out? <laughs> I love being able to read a script and yeah. talk to any of the other creatives and us being able to kind of formulate something, just a, whether it's conceptually or whether it is more exact, like we need to figure out, you know, what the palette's going to be. This is what I want it to sound like. I love these six scores and, you know, this is, uh, and then there's these, you know, 12 films that I'm trying to evoke through the process, whatever. Yeah. And just figuring out where they're coming from helps substantially um, to kind of, unlock that process like like we we're just talking about um and i think uh you know doing that so early ahead of time is so nice because then a bunch of temp music doesn't get dumped in and you know then some people get attached to it and then you know yeah. you're just fighting that battle um which you know is helpful sometimes to establish tone i'm not not knocking it by any means but 
Um, you know, I think it's it's tough when we have to get super close to it. Um, but I do love the overall creative process with developing whatever that new sound might be um, for that project. And that's that's one of the things that I really I I like to do a lot is you know create the unique you know sonic identity for um, whatever that project might be. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's fun to be able to go back and forth like that and, and experiment because hopefully yeah. you're going to come up with something new that and fresh and you know mess around with whether it's a theme written on piano or whether it's just creating sounds and things like that to kind of make a toolbox to start from. So is that uh, is there do you have like I guess a, a approach that you stick to every time or does it change like do you usually sit at the piano and just kind of noodle around or do you do that kind of sound palette toolbox first or is it, it just depends on the project. Uh, I think it really depends on the project. Um, for uh, for this Nat Geo show that I would that I'm just finished working on, there was a lot of fill up the toolbox, yeah, and then you know start to start to then write some themes and then pull from the toolbox in order to then kind of stretch some things out because you know in order to in like in preparation of a lot of things to come and less time to write a lot of minutes of music, I needed yeah. the toolbox to be very full so I could just go and grab. So, um, you know, sometimes it's me just, you know, breaking out a bunch of different percussion instruments or doing weird things, you know, getting a tom and like bending it down and um, or whatever it might be or hiring individual musicians. And I for this, I, I wrote down a I scribbled on a page and it was just like a bunch of aleatoric things like no staff or anything like that. It was just, you know, hit this note and get louder and then go up. And so I got a bunch of stuff back that then I could take twist, pitch, do whatever needed to be done to uh, yeah. you know, make it sound a little bit more unique than just a, a flute or a trombone or something like that. Right. Well, yeah, let's jump into I mean, you scored uh, National Geographic's Incredible Animal Journeys uh, narrated by Jeremy Renner. It's a beautiful uh, nature documentary series on Disney Plus. And, um, you know, I grew up on on nature documentaries. Like a lot of my friends grew up watching, you know, X-Men cartoons. It was weird. Like as a child, I, I watched like all the it was like Silly Symphony uh, and like the original Merry Melodies, like the where, you know, it was like Tom and Jerry and Chippendale before they talked and all that stuff. But it was always about like motion and and music like those early documentaries on discovery channel before it turned into like you know 90 day fiance and all that stuff but like <laughs> before it turned into trash That's tv and, and mermaids and stuff when it was actual yeah. real <laughs> nature documentaries which thankfully nat did you know, still doing but um so i'm curious what were what was uh, the the i guess the first conversations about music and kind of the palette i guess building that toolbox like what were the uh the conversations about about you know because I think it's unique that it's about, you know, migrations and animal journeys, a lot of kind of like point A to point B and the kind of the struggle or the challenges that these animals go through versus maybe something different like planet Earth, where it kind of focuses on a an ecosystem or a, a certain moment or something like this. This, I think, has a structure that you're able to probably, I guess, like kind of read and uh, kind of analyze and kind of approach. So I'm curious, what were the first conversations about? So they towards the beginning of the process they they were still trying to figure out exactly how they were going to storytell but mm. there were two things that kind of came right off the bat and like you just pointed out the differentiation between planet earth or some of the other bbc series which are absolutely phenomenally gorgeous oh yeah beautiful um, yeah. they're they're amazing and the the two things that they wanted to do different than those uh one being the like you mentioned just focusing on like an ecosystem or you know one absolutely miraculous thing that happens within a species this is more about like a, a mother and child or in the case of you know some of these animals you know the mother has the the egg or you know birth and then the kids on their own 
but you're yeah. following these youngsters essentially on their their first migrations and seeing what they're going to then have to do year after year after year. And so it, it became more in a narrative sense where you're doing the storytelling and you're going to be with these characters. So we're character focused in, as opposed to spectacle focused, I guess. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Um, and they wanted to differentiate the music as well, just to not necessarily have it sound like, you know, gigantic orchestra. Um, I, I remember in a very, I think in probably one of the very first demos I did for the main title, I had French horns on the line and it immediately got nixed. And mm -hmm. so very quickly found out that horns and brass and anything like that was absolutely out the door, especially used in any sort of traditional sense. So that's where, you know, I started experimenting a little bit more. And initially all orchestra was, was out the door. Eventually wow. strings found their way back in, um, but they were more so in a supporting role. Some pieces, some pieces, they definitely come in um, and play more of a centric role, but otherwise it was about finding something unique that could, you know, be our, our main instrument uh, for each of these animals. I mean, each, each episode out of the six has three like main characters essentially. And so there's 18 solid themes that have distinct sounds over the course of the series. And I think that was part of the, the fun and joy and otherwise they kind of gave me free reign, which was amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, I mean, you're one, I guess, how often is a, I'm curious, like, because I'm sure they go out and shoot tons of footage and then they have to like kind of call it down and create, you know, something into an episode. So yeah, yeah. when do you start working on this? Like, and when is, when is like, it wasn't the first spotting session and like, how often is the picture changing? Is it kind of like a movie where like picture changes like a lot, like there's a lot of changes. I'm curious, how do you, and then adapt and conform to all that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was funny. They So when I first started on the project, they're like, do you have a team? And I was like, no, I'm, no, I'm good. I, like, I, I've got an assistant. I have some other, other people that I can, you know, that I work with and, you know, like, that'll be fine. Okay. Cause it gets, you know, it might get a little crunchy at the end. Okay. Uh -huh. That's why we're going to start a 14 months before the end. Wow. Okay. We're, we're good. Um, so we start and they're starting to edit one episode and just trying to figure out like, you know, how they're telling the stories. And it was a completely different film. I mean, each each one of these is really like their own little film in, in right, and yeah, yeah. but it was it was a completely different thing from where it started to then the second episode started in like October of last year. By January, like everything was different. There were like little bits and pieces of other episodes that were kind of trickling in. Their schedule continued to push. And all of a sudden it was, you know now the six episodes are all mixing like two to three weeks apart from each other and it's 45 minutes of music and their picture lock is only coming a few weeks before their actual mix and <laughs> so it, it was insane but the great part was is that i got to experiment and play with this stuff for so long that by the time yeah. it did get to picture lock um number one the studio nat geo disney everybody had already seen like at least half the episode was original music so there was no surprises really for them when they first started to review the stuff, which was great. Um, a lot of the time they're only seeing temp until the last, you know, couple of rounds or whatever. And then, you know, they'll start to give notes on music, but we kind of got to be along with it the entire way. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a yeah. little hectic towards the end, but the toolbox was all there. So we got to like pull everything from it. So I don't think uh, any of the, you know, originality or creativity got to, had to be sacrificed. Um, yeah due to the fact it needed to be very quick turnarounds. And how do you, I guess, how do you deal with, I guess, pacing and uh, uh, pacing an episode? Because I mean, there's, 
once once the edit comes together, you're you're telling a you're telling a journey. You have characters. You know, we were following uh, animals through kind of their journey, and I'm sure there's going to be kind of moments of more excitement, kind of lulls, and kind of and then how do you I guess make space for the narration as well? I'm sure there's probably scratch narration when you're working on it. Because I've yep. learned that even David when I was interviewing Adam and James who work on Frozen Planet, they're like, oh yeah, we don't hear the David Attenborough stuff until the, like the <laughs> or the it's all after we like you know. <laughs> it's true. It, it's crazy that actually the the temp narration that they had in there is essentially the same thing in the same place as when Renner's voice got dropped in. Wow. So much so that, you know, because a lot of what we did was we sculpted around some of the narration. And, you know, even though the action visually might kick in um, and then the narration on top of it is talking about what's going to happen. But like the tension and everything is building behind the narration. Right. Then the music has to release and give it the pace, which if you were just looking at it visually, you might have started the pace and the intensity much earlier but because we shaped it along, you know, with the the narration and everything that luckily, you know, everything kind of stayed in the right place and uh, and whatnot, it's still, you know, the music still uh, carved through. Um, and I, I think it's really just about what's being expressed and what's being discussed. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a, a mother-son relationship. It's going to be very different than, you know, the uh, the, the need to find food and, you know, mm. the, the long arduous journey or the threats that, you know, they're having to, having to um, endure. I mean, and there is a lot of, there's a lot of amazing slow motion shots. And uh, one thing that we did bring up was like, when, when it's in slow-mo, it's not meant to be, you know, pummeling along, like enjoy the visual and let the music kind of, you know, suck you into that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of that, a lot of a lot of that was discussed the entire way, the entire way through. Lots of back and forth. <laughs> Absolutely. And so how how much did the I guess the you know each episode is probably taking us to you know we're taking to a different location, different animal. So how much did the the location influence the instrumentation? Like how much? What kind of uh, made you choose certain instruments or certain sounds? Were you embracing certain cultures and certain styles? And I'm curious what what was how did you know not to be too on the nose or too much and kind of still sub kind of give you that character warmth and not kind of overbear you know I guess the people was just like style and aesthetic and all that stuff you know I tried to do something um not only for each character but um also for each episode in general that yes like you said like it you know it kind of gravitates towards that area so yeah um uh, for one episode called ocean ocean odysseys which is the first episode they started out with um when we were when we were working uh, the humpback whales begin their migration from Hawaii and go up to Alaska to feed. And the whales play a very significant role in Hawaiian, in traditional Hawaiian culture. So I'd actually reached out to a vocalist down there um, who's a native Hawaiian and her name is Pua. Uh, wonderful, wonderful person to work with. I had found some, um, some general like traditional prayer stuff online. I had written a melody and then I kind of engaged her to be like, hey, what can we do with this or what would work yeah. here? And so she helped create, um, like, you know, adding the lyrics um, from this prayer to the melody that I had written. And that's the theme for the Humpback Whales. And so, you know, being able to kind of embrace something like that for for each episode, um, I think was really, was really special. Um, another episode that takes place in Africa, um, I worked with a, a flautist, um, Gina Luciani. She had something called a fula, which is native to West Africa. Use that for the flamingos. Um, we've got, uh, let's see. Oh, there's a, there's an episode all about air. It's, um, following the monarch butterfly and the African swallow. 
And so my original goal for that was like no strings and like, you know, all, all wind ensemble kind of thing, which, you know, that was, that was going to be a little too traditional, but, you know, finding some really cool um, things, you know, with clarinets and trombones and things like that, that they weren't sounding traditional, but making little pulses that, you know, and breath inspired things and, you know, finding different way to give pace. Uh, so I just, I tried to take something from each of the, the general feel and the, the yeah. visuals that we'd see and, and, you know, try to showcase it somehow in the music. And I think it's, I, I mean, I love that you did that because it's, uh, to me, that's such a beautiful, like weird kind of a, uh, like we are humans telling the stories of our natural world and these instruments and sounds don't mean a damn thing to these animals, but it's like, <laughs> it's the culture of our humanity that over our you know generations of, you know, thousands and thousands of years of humans are like creating this culture for ourselves. And that's how we relate to the, the world and how we connect to the, uh, the natural world that we see. And I think it's such a beautiful kind of like, you know, marriage there. So it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I, I think the, the one thing that they really gravitated towards, you know, just speaking of just like, complete humanity and, and nature is like voices was their their biggest thing across yeah. um the entire series so it's a lot of choral stuff in there um you know we weren't able to replace everything but you know it's 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 neat to be able to work with that in a very different way also um so that was that was a great tool throughout the course of the series yeah. was there like, were there any specific uh uh, sequences or scenes throughout the episodes that kind of maybe like were either very creatively rewarding for you to kind of to 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 execute or maybe something that was really a challenge that kind of took a hard nut to crack that it took several attempts to finally kind of get it right <laughs> um yeah there when the scenes came around that you know <laughs> that were very emotional and they did throw temp in and it was thomas newman from finding dory or <laughs> you know it's like damn it <laughs> you're, you're, you're setting it up here Tommy. Like, i know <laughs> you do this to me so you know it, that that definitely it took a few times to yeah. to get that but you know everybody wound up very very happy at the end of the day um and i think you know i think those those tend to be some of the more rewarding ones because you know you, yeah. you really you know you get into the emotion of it and everybody you know really gets to feel it so um i don't know i mean i, I think going through the project i I think all of it's rewarding. I don't think I, yeah. I didn't necessarily like, you know, throw away a cue just because nothing was happening visually or, you know, like it was a subdued moment. Like there was always a reason for what was happening musically. Yeah. Um, so. Absolutely. And I'm sure, you know, scoring a nature documentary because you're, you are doing heartwarming like, tender moments. You are doing kind of more intense kind of survival moments. You're all doing kind of these big, you know, migration Thing. So you're kind of like kind of going through different genres as well, genres of storytelling. So you're probably getting to flex like different sides of your storytelling muscles to like, you know, you can do something more uh, pulse pounding action, maybe there's something more simple. Some that has do you kind of sense that you had to kind of go through like different genres and to kind of keep the episodes going. I was never bored on this show. Yeah. <laughs> not, not once. <laughs> no, it was it was it was great to be able to do anything. You know, it there's so many different things, like you said. So if I, if I was feeling like I was just banging my head against the wall with one thing, I had plenty of other episodes and characters and scenes to be able to, you know, divert to and yeah. you know, sit in there for a little while and then be able to, you know, come back to it with a fresh mind. So absolutely, um, yeah, it was, it, it's, it's nice to be able to, you know, have the, the wider palette and experimentation stuff along the yeah, way. Yeah. Well, I mean, congratulations on the score and on the series. It's beautiful. And it's such an amazing, it's the Jake Monaco score for sure. So it's got, <laughs> thanks man. <laughs>
<laughs> well, I mean, I mean, yeah. So outside of 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 uh, nature documentaries, you've done so many. I mean, awesome projects, and we could be sitting here, you know, for hours talking through your whole filmography. But I'm curious. Like, I really enjoyed Cars on the Road, uh, the miniseries that you did for Disney Plus as well, and uh, you got to again uh, jump into a different Newman's world. But like, <laughs> you know, so I'm curious uh, what it's like to approach. I guess you know, we have these established characters. You get to create your kind of you know, a little you know world of your own. I talked to Dom who did monsters, you know, um, yeah. monsters at work, which was you know kind of similar thing where you take a, a established franchise and kind of get to do your own thing. So I'm curious what it was like for you for work on Cars on the Road and kind of dive into that world. Talking about doing different genres all within the same you know project, um, it, it Cars definitely took a cake for that. Uh, with nine episodes, every single one of them was a completely different genre. Wow. Uh, which was amazingly fun. Three directors, two editors, producers. I mean, every Zoom call was was a, a, a collage of people. And everyone was just so excited about what they were doing and had so much great input. And like everybody was doing it for a reason. Um, it There wasn't, a, we didn't want to use themes necessarily from the movies. So it was right. kind of a standalone thing from that, right. yeah. which was great. The one thing that we did kind of keep cohesive was there was a, we, we called it the Cars World Sound, which is basically just a little bit of an intro and sometimes a bit of an outro to the episode just to kind of get us in. Okay, where are we going to go with this one? And then within 30 seconds, you know, you're into whether it's the the Dino Park episode and, you know, you're, you're with uh, some more classic um, uh, orchestral type sounds or, you know, you're on the hunt for the the legend of Bigfoot um, and it's an all synth score, you know, 80s yeah. Stranger Things, but more, a little bit more contemporary um, or this like Mad Max inspired world of road rumblers. I mean, there's so many, so many really, really cool and fun <laughs> genres to explore intense bluegrass, um, you know, like movie set, um, classic movie set kind of feel. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. And then there's the trucks episode, which was, you know, the song in and of itself. And uh, right. that, yeah. was, that was a beast. That was just, that was amazing <laughs> to, to work on as well. <laughs> and when you're working on like a C, on a CG show like that, because you, you've have, you've worked a lot in, in kind of uh, children's uh, TV and, and, and animation uh, compared to maybe something like Scooby-Doo um, and, and something to cars where it's CG versus maybe 2D. When do you, does that change when, when you come in to start working? Like, are you working earlier on on cars because it takes maybe a little bit longer versus Scooby-Doo? I mean, they're both a very long process, but I'm curious if it, it differs at all. Um, Scooby-Doo, because that was a, that show was more, um, in a, in a regular pattern. It was every two weeks we were doing an episode. Cars yeah. was not like that at all. It was essentially, I think they broke it up into two batches. It was, mm. you know, five and then four, I think. Uh, so, but we were working on all those episodes, um, you know, continuously. Uh, and I, we were on them for months at a time. So it was a, it was a long process to, to go through this. So there was a lot of, a lot of shots that were, nothing was lit when I started. Um, some were still in, you know, just like animatic form. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, all the intentions are there and, you know, there's some cool opportunities to be had too through discussion that get to shape what the eventual outcome is. Um, yeah. There's one scene in the, I think it's the second episode, Lights Out, where this giant hearse comes up 
and he's going to chase McQueen in this haunted in this haunted mansion, that, which is kind of a nod to, to Disney's haunted mansion. Right. But the, the director of that episode, Steve Purcell, he did a bunch of like vocalizations that are like bah, 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 like all this like random stuff. And and he's and he was showing it to me and it's like, OK, and I want it to kind of be like, you know, uh, I don't know. He gave me he gave me an example. I forget what it was off the top of my head, but I was like, OK, can you can you send me all your vocalizations? Because if he's going to be saying all these things and we need the the pace and everything for the for the chase, send me that. Like, let's build it into what this thing is. So now it's this. It's like uh, what's the what the the chicken thing? <laughs> the uh, uh, I can't think of it now. We'll put it in the comments below. <laughs> when I think of it. <laughs> but it's it's just it turned out to be so funny, and all of us were just laughing during the entire process of of putting this thing together because it was just a bunch of ridiculous vocalizations that ended yeah. up in this fun fun piece called Wraith Rock. <laughs> Sounds like you went like a full like John Powell experience. I was like, <laughs> going crazy vocals and stuff. Oh my God, you got to have fun with that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it must have, yeah, I can't imagine. And then um, another another uh, film you did, which I really enjoy, was Jerry and Marge Go Large, and you got to work with director uh, David Frankel. So I mean, that was well, must have been so much fun, and also kind of doing. And how, I'm curious about what the approach was that to make sure that the tone was right and that the the music wasn't kind of doing too much doing too much make sure he left space for like the actors to work so i'm curious how you approached that that score um uh david was great to work with um the producer on that film gil netter was also wonderful and we we had a great little team that was you know we just discussed the it's really about you know this older couple that have you know ventured into their retirement years and what are they going to do and um, you know, the, uh, the main character that Cranston plays, uh, is a bit of a savant and, um, it's just kind of a, a fun little journey that they go on. It needed to be taken lightly. Like there just needed to be fun right. with the score. Yeah. I mean, yes, we have their serious moments, but, um, when I did, uh, I did some original specs, uh, for that and just a couple of like theme demos and whatnot and tried to, tried to figure out what, what could sound, you know, like we have the lottery balls dropping. And so, you know, like there's this one little staccato rhythm that is all throughout the entire um, the entire film. And it's just a it's a very simple little little thing. But it's I kind of milked it for all that it was worth in so many different ways. Yeah. And, you know, like there's lots of montages where the, the balls are falling. They're counting lottery tickets and whatnot. And um, there's a lot of fun to be able to, you know, explore and have fun with that stuff. And yeah. they, they were really, really supportive of a lot of that. So it was a really fun experience to be able to uh to experiment a little bit yeah absolutely so i'm curious like so i mean you've worked on so many different genres and different styles and 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 work with all these different uh filmmakers and i'm curious like how often do you i feel like in our business we always kind of just we're on to the next round the next round the next do you ever take time to pause and kind of look back at everything that you've done and do you ever go back and revisit scores and take a lit like or, or do you just not you don't do you not like listen to your stuff it's like hearing <laughs> your voice or seeing your own picture you're like i don't want to see it or something like that i'm curious <laughs> No, I think I think by the end of a project, like I'm, I I want to love what it is that's in there, and so I I often will you know go back to other things, or you know if I'm working on another project, it's like oh, I love the way that I did something here. I need to remind myself, oh that's right. Now how can I go further with that? Or maybe it was yeah. just like this little nugget of an idea that I really liked in one thing, and now I can turn it into something much you know much greater in in another project or something, um, you know just conceptually. But uh, no, I, I, I do. I like, I like going back to yeah. the stuff. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's, 
especially now after doing a very long stretch of Jerry and Marge, Cars on the Road, and then immediately into Incredible Animal Journeys, which was 14 months. It was this was about I, almost two, two, two and a half years. Um, so being able to now kind of pause and, you know, look back at all that and just really enjoy it and also enjoy a little bit of space and, you know, kind of like re rejuvenating energy, yeah. and you know, being able to, uh, I mean, the, the strike, you know, kind of helped in that a little bit sure. and now you know, being able to, to kick off 24 again, will be, will be good, but yeah, I think so. Nice I, yeah. I, yeah. It'd be nice to, yeah, it was a nice pause of reflection and, and, uh, and uh you know you did mention the strike the the, the industry is uh changing we we're kind of we're kind of in this moment i feel like you know uh, we're seeing all for, for i think for the good i think the strike was so important and everything that they yeah. fought for and i'm so happy that they got the deals that they, they, they deserved and but you know for younger people coming in i guess people like i met somebody at an SEO event they're like oh yeah i just got I just moved to la last week i'm like jesus christ i can't even imagine like, like good luck <laughs> like, i when i came out here in 2010 <laughs> I, was, like, I moved out with friends and we're like how the hell are we going to survive out here and i'm just like <laughs> i mean i guess every generation has their own like challenges and, and stuff but i'm curious what tips or advice would you give to people coming into to this world, whether it's through composing or just in the industry? It's like, uh, what have, what have you seen that's like, uh, I guess, to inspire people to, you know, like that things should hopefully get better, you know? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, this is a really good time um, because when COVID hit, everything blew up with streaming. Yeah. So many shows, so many more shows were being made now and over the last few years than ever were before so there's so many more opportunities for for young and up-and-coming composers and being able to kind of jump at those so i i think it's you know it is it's meeting people getting the real world experience don't be afraid to go straight for people like get yeah. get that experience get notes from different people go straight for many people because you're going to learn what to do what you like doing what you hate doing you know mm -hmm. developing like yeah. what your methods are and what you what you enjoy doing because if you don't enjoy doing it, then, you know, you're in, you're in the wrong business. So yeah, I, I just keep writing, work with different people, not only meet, but like be able to go back and forth. It's good. Yeah. And uh, I did want to also ask, because you, you did mention, um, you know, how the, 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 you had kind of a break now, they kind of reset. And you mentioned you're going from project to project to project. Like how, I guess, how do you fight, I guess, burnout? I'm curious, like as a composer, I think all of us are, we, we will always try to take on more than we probably should. And then you get in this, like, I'm, I'm going through it right now because I'm back at work, you know, back here in LA and our, our, my animation industry is going through so much and Cartoon Network Studios merging with Warner Brothers Animation and all these different things. And it's like, yeah, it's been a lot. So I'm curious, like, how do you juggle it? And how do you kind of, do you have any practices or tips where you kind of be like, okay, we need to like, a, I need a, a brain refresher. Do you go for a run? Do you go like, I'm curious how you kind of manage, <laughs> manage everything. The, no, the, the whole, the whole workout thing I think is good. Cause you need to like yeah. relieve some sort of stress. So whether it's run or gym, you know, something like that is, is always very healthy. Um, I try to do something that is completely different, but might still be tied into the world um, that I'm in. Like it's, it's been really fun to, with the whole Nat Geo thing, they, they asked me to do a bunch of like TikTok-esque um, like little videos that then I've handed to them and then they've been like recutting them um, in with other footage and things like that. So being able to kind of dive into something totally different, like, you know, whether it's the, the social media production or other types of like filmmaking type things, like I've been doing stuff with my kid. Um, but it's still like, or like in... the Scooby video you made with Matt. Yeah, exactly. For, for Just like... Media. like cue it right now. I'm gonna put it right here. <laughs> Go watch that video. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's kind of like it's just like the silly things that because yeah. you do you need to have fun with some of this stuff and you know it becomes tense especially towards you know the end of a project or whatnot so finding something that you know you can find a little bit of relief in, i think i think is smart and um you know just yeah. doing different stuff it's good yeah absolutely well jake thank you so much for for chatting this evening and for 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 bringing me into your world and it's it was so great to catch up and learn all about your approach and, and some of your projects and yeah it was such a blast i've been such a huge fan of yours and i'm just uh, always excited to see what you have coming up next <laughs> cool. well thanks so much man i really appreciate it